Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Uh, there are seven letters to churches, and when, when you start talking about Revelation, man, there are more papers and articles. If you look up Revelation on the internet, it just gets crazy, because everybody's got an opinion about what Revelation says. You have the people who say this and say that, and everyone thinks Revelation means this or it doesn't mean that, and you know, I'm not going to really get into that today, because whether the seven churches represent seven periods in history or... That's what some people think. What I'm going to approach this as is this is how Jesus views churches today. This is how he views churches today and how he views different churches. And, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about uh, losing your first love, the letter to the Ephesians, and, and what that's like and how we have to have a passion for Christ, a passion, you know. We have to have this this. When you know you, you ever notice who people they they get on social media or they talk about passionate, you can always tell where somebody's heart is because of what they talk about, right? And and me, I like to I like to talk about God. Now I talk about other things too. I talk about sports and things like that. But we like to talk about God because that's our heart and that's what we're into, right? I talk about my family. I love my family, and I talk about other things. But we talked about getting your first love back, and then. Last week, we talked about what it means to be persecuted. And, and that's important for Christians to know and to know that that's coming because we are going to suffer persecution. And, and I, I've heard my whole life people saying, well, I can live with persecution. I can deal with it. And, and my, my response is, if you can't come to church, how are you going to stand up under persecution? Because that, that's kind of an important thing is to be in church because that's where we're fed. That's where we receive from God. Amen. That's where we demonstrate our faithfulness. But we know persecution's coming. We see it in the air. We see what's happening in uh, various companies, how they're embracing things that are not of God. They're embracing things that are clearly against God's scripture. And, and now if you come against that, then you're labeled. Uh, what, would you believe that we're actually labeled terrorists? Did you know that? The government labels us terrorists if we don't agree with the things that are that they promote, like the homosexual agenda or the transgender agenda, that you're labeled a certain way. You know, I know what you can label me is you can label me a Christian. That's what you can label me. And I'm not just a Christian. I'm a blood-bought, saved, spirit-filled, sanctified believer in God. That's what I am, and that's what we need to be, amen? But in looking at these letters, I want us to analyze that who are we as a church, who are we? What does our church project? And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we get into this time clock mentality with church. You know what I'm talking about, time clock? Anybody ever used a time clock before? Where you, you have a little piece of paper, maybe I'm demonstrating my age because I think now everything's done through computers, but you had a little piece of paper and you put it under a, a literal clock and you punched it. You know, know what I mean by punched it? You hit it, and the time was on there, and uh, I was 
I guess not very bright. I would always wait for it to be like 8.01 because I thought I was going to get overtime. <laughs> Didn't work out that way. But I thought, oh, I'm going to get overtime because I said 8.01 instead of, or, uh, you know, or 5.01 instead of 5 o'clock. And sometimes we kind of treat church like that, don't we? Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to show up because I know it's the right thing to do. But we go in with that time clock mentality and realize, and we don't realize, that God is trying to move within your life today. I'm going to go over here. Maybe you guys should get a little bit more. This is your chance, guys, okay? We don't realize, there are more people over here, so maybe this will work. God is about to move in your life today, amen? Okay, they got you beat so far, okay? Let's try the middle. God's going to move in your life today, amen? All right, you guys are good, amen, amen. Pastor, why do you do that? Because we're Pentecostal, and that means we get involved in our church service, amen? If you yell out amen, it's not going to bother me, Amen. But what I'm trying to tell you is that we got to quit coming to church just for the sake of coming to church. We've got to come, and listen to what I'm saying here, we've got to come with an expectancy. We've got to come with an expectancy. And not just about me receiving something. We've got to come that God is not only going to show up, but he's going to show out. Amen? We've already felt the spirit of God in the worship. Why would God stop at that? Amen? Do you have a need in your life this morning that I want to tell you God is here to meet it? Maybe there's someone that needs to be saved. What if God brought someone off the street right now and they walk into this service and they say, what must I do to be saved? Amen? Can I tell you that if somebody walks off the street and stops my sermon because they want to be saved, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop my sermon. Amen? Amen? I'm not going to sit there and say, just have a seat. Have a seat, and when I'm done, we'll get you saved. No. Hey, listen, this is God's church. He can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? But we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, and I want to encourage you to come to Sunday school. We talked about this. We talked about an era of expectancy. Like, what is God going to do? Now, I have to ask you this question. What were your expectations coming in here this morning? And if it was anything less than a total move of God, then we got to work on that, don't we? If it was anything that a total move of God, then we got to work on that. Sometimes we come in and I'm just going to sit down and that's it. But no, man. I, I want to, listen, I'm just crazy enough. To believe that the Holy Ghost can be poured out in such a way that everyone in this room has cloven tongues of fire upon their head. And they go out into the streets and they're so drunk that people are drunk with the Spirit. That God's going to do something. And then, and then they go out in the street and people ask us and say, hey, are you drunk? No, these people are not drunk as you suppose. But they are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. See, I believe that can happen this morning. Amen. But man, we come in here and we're so tired because maybe we stayed up too late last night. When you go to work, do you stay up too late? Are you late? No. Man, how much more should we treat church? How much? This is the house of God. This is eternal. Amen? What if we went in with that expectation that God was going to do something? Amen? I don't know about you, and I've said this many times, I am tired of just church being church, amen? 
I want our church to be so filled with the Spirit of God that they fill it in cake. Or they fill it in Angoon. Amen? I want our house, I want this church to be so full of the Spirit of God. All right, I'm going to say it. That they fill it down at the assembly. And they quit passing these dumb laws that are really anti-Christian. Amen? I want them to be so full of the Spirit of God that we interrupt the legislature and they stop doing things that are against the house of God and break out in prayer and fasting and weep so that they may do things according to the Spirit of God and not according to the voters who want something that are not of God. Amen? I shouldn't say the voters, but the special interest group. That's really who I mean. The lobbies. Amen? You guys realize that's who run our... Our state is the lobbyist, right? We don't really run this state. But man, I tell you what, it's time for the Christians to stand up and say, we're tired of this, amen? We're tired of you passing laws that have nothing to do with us or are against us or trying to shut us down because of some virus that really wasn't a virus at all, amen? It is time for the church to stand up and show people love, but we got to do that through an act of worship, amen? we got to do that through an act of God, amen? See... I don't know about you, but I get, I get mad. All right, you ready for this? I get mad when somebody walks out of here unsaved. You know why? Because I think, God, what did I do wrong? And really it's not about that, but that's how passionate I am. I, walk, I get mad when somebody walks out of here who is still sick. Amen. It needs to be healed. Amen. I get mad when things don't happen because I want God to move in Juno. Amen. I want God to move in Juno. I want God to move not just in Juno. I want God to move in your life. Do you want God to move in your life? All right. I'm going to ask you again because just nodding your head like a Presbyterian is not going to cut it today. Okay. I don't know if you're going to sleep or you really mean yes. I want this, Pastor, okay? Say, we're Pentecostal. You know what that means? That means we're the whole body workout, okay? That means you should bring a towel to church because you're sweating from the Zumba, okay? All right? So I'm going to ask you again. Do you want God to move in your life today? Amen? Well, come on. Do you? All right. If that's what you want, oh, Pastor, you're just playing with people's emotions. No, I'm not. Because see, when you're passionate about something, you say, man, if you only felt what I felt. If you only, you ever had some really good food? My mother-in-law made some homemade cheesecake the other day. And she's going to make some more. And no, you cannot have any. So don't even ask. She made some homemade cheesecake. And I put that in my mouth, and I thought the rapture had just taken place. Do I, am I equating spirituality with food? Yes, I am, Okay. I put that in my mouth. I didn't care about my weight. I didn't care. I just, I just it tasted so good. And I looked at my wife and said, you got to have this. This is delicious. You know why? Because it was good. You know what the Bible says? It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Oh, taste and see. Because when you have something that tastes good, here, have this. You ever had somebody throw some food in your face? Eat this. This is really good. If it's a t unless it's a tomato, I'm all over it. If it's a tomato, it's not going to happen with me. But, you know, when, when God gives you something, 
When God blesses you, amen, when God fills your heart with love and joy and forgiveness and you realize what he's doing in your life and you love people you never thought you could love and you just have that passion in you and you see what God's doing in your life, you just can't sit back and go, well, you don't want what I want. Not me, man. I'm like, hey, I got to tell you something. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He healed my mind. He touched me, and it was just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. I'm going to just, I'm going to praise it again. Amen. I'm going to tell you this morning that when the Lord touches you, when the Lord really touches you, you can't keep silent. You can't keep silent. Even the most introverted amongst us. There are those of us who are extroverted, aren't there? But there's the introverted among us. When you're introverted, you get up in that, that, that moment and you say, I got to tell you what God's done for me. I got to tell you that I made it. Yes, it was hard sometimes, but I've made it. But where we're at as a church is we've kind of lost that, haven't we? We've lost that passion. We talked about that in week one. We've lost that passion. And we're trying to get that back, but there's something that hinders us from getting that back. And you know what that is? We're going to talk about that today. Let's read this scripture. He wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to the city of Pergamos. Revelations 2, chapter, verse, or chapter 2, verse 14. And I didn't have time to put it up there, so guys, if you can find that for me, I'll be forever in your debt. And I might give you some cheesecake, but I may not. Probably not, but I'll talk about it, take a picture and put it on Instagram so you can see it. He says, but I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual morality. Let's read that again. Thank you guys for putting that up there. I appreciate that. He says, but I have a few things against you. He's writing in this church. He's talking about some things they're doing right. And we're going to tell you what that is in just a moment. Because you have there, he's talking about in the church. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about in the church. See, we understand that people in the world are sinners, right? And so therefore, we know that they're going to do the wrong thing. But when the wrong thing happens in the church, we've got some issues, don't we? Sometimes we have to address those things, don't we? I'm tired of pastors getting up and saying that I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay messages. We need some Holy Ghost baptized word of God that condemns sin but loves the sinner, amen? We need to say what is wrong and also love what is right, amen? We need to stop compromising the word of God and realize that the word of God is not to our detriment, but it is our salvation unto the Lord, amen? We gotta preach the whole word of God, amen? We gotta stop getting up in the pulpit and telling stories. We gotta stop getting up in the pulpit and telling stories that seem whimsical and light we got to speak the word of God, amen? we got to speak the word of God. When you leave here, you need to eat at the buffet table or the, the great table. We don't need to just have snacks, amen? We don't need to just have milk. We need to have the word of God in us. 
He says, but for those there who hold the doctrine of Balaam, we're going to talk about who that is in a moment, and who taught Balaam to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now let's talk about Pergamos for a moment. Pergamos was the northernmost city in Asia. It was a, a Greek city that received this letter. And Pergamos was like the capital, the Roman capital of, of Asia. And the, only, the way that I can explain this is kind of like a, a capital city in America. They governed everything that happened in that area. It's much like Juno. Because the decisions that are made in Juno affect the whole state, right? How many understand that that's why we need a move of God in Juno? Okay, guys, you're kind of going to sleep on me. Let me ask this side now. How many understand that's why we need a move of God in Juno? Amen. That's why we need a move of God in Juno because the devil has used Juno for too long to perpetuate the message of sin, and we need to perpetuate the message of God. Amen. We need a Holy Ghost infused legislator. We need a Holy Ghost-infused assembly. We need men and women of God who are baptized in his Holy Spirit to quit worrying about their careers and worry about the gospel, amen? We need to quit passing laws that are anti-Christian, which I said later, and start worrying about the victims of crime rather than the ones who perpetuate the crime, amen? We need people who understand that we need to stop worrying about all these other things that we think are social justice and realize that the only social justice comes when we come to the foot of the cross, amen? It's the church that leads to lead the way in these things, Amen? We don't need the government to end racism. The church needs to end racism. Come on now. The church for too long has been separate. You worship over there, you worship over there. No, that's not what the church is, man. We need the church to be the house of worship. You know, in a house of worship, everybody's welcome, amen? Everybody's welcome. But he goes on to say this. Go back to verse 13 if you can, gentlemen. He says this. First of all, he says this in the verse before. He says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. In other words, he's saying that Satan actually had a kingdom there at this town. And you hold fast to my name. You did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas was my faithful servant or my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. That's twice he said where Satan dwells. There was actually an altar in Pergamos. It's called the Pergamon Altar. And this altar was in the image of a giant snake. And he was called the God of Healing. And people would, would come from miles, they would come from miles to this God of Healing and they would commit these acts, and I'm going to get into what these acts are a little bit later. They would commit these acts to receive healing from this God. Can I tell you that the, that's what the world is trying to do right now? The people that are hurting because of their lifestyles are going to the government and saying, provide us healing, provide us healing, provide, and they think that they're receiving healing, but all that's happening is they are getting further and further into bondage, amen? There is no healing in the world today. 
You can pass all the laws that you want to pass, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to truly protect anybody. The only thing that's going to save souls, that's only going to deliver souls, that's going to change souls, is the precious, precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. But when we go to churches and they say it's okay to live together. When you go to a church and a couple's getting a divorce and it's not addressed in the church, they just say it's okay, it's okay just as long as you pay your tithe. When you go to a church and they say it's okay to smoke weed and do drugs and all those things. See, this is why I'm against alcohol. There, there were some people who died on a boat. And they said it was probably alcohol related. That's what the news story said. When I was on the grand jury, do you know how many, how many instances of domestic violence were because of alcohol? And how many cases we saw were because of alcohol? You know how many? Every one of them. Alcohol is not some casual thing that people do. It's a trap. It's a trap of the devil and it lures you in and you, you commit to it and you can't get out of it. You can't break it. Brothers and sisters, the church has allowed these things to go on because they don't want to preach against it because they don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, if you come to this church, you will be offended, okay? I, that's my job is because the gospel is offensive. Did you know that? Jesus even said that himself. The gospel is offensive. Now, I don't say that to purposely hurt anybody. I say it to get you to understand that we need to change, amen? The word repent, the word repent means to change, amen? That's what the word means, it means to change. In other words, I was walking this way and, and I keep bumping into stuff and I keep hurting myself and I realize if I just turned around, that's where the light is and that's where I'm going, amen? I'm going towards the light, amen? But that happens, that's the word repentance, that's what it means. When you're walking in the dark, you know what you're going to do? You're going to hit your toe. Anybody ever hit their toe on a piece of furniture in the dark? Anybody said words that were not of God when you did that? You know what, walking in the dark causes you to sin and it causes you to get hurt and it breaks things. But I tell you what, when you turn around, when you turn around and you say, oh, there's the light, there's the light. There's a light, and you know, here's Jesus. Jesus doesn't sit there and go, well, okay, you, now you turn around. You're on your own. Oh, no. Jesus is like, I was with you the whole time. I got out of the way when you hurt yourself because you're going in the dark. But now that you're in the light, we're going to walk together. Amen? We're going to walk together. I got you. I got you. And I tell you, I would much rather walk with Jesus than walk against him. Amen? Pastor, you're just preaching negative messages. No, this is not negative at all. Like Julie said this morning so eloquently, this isn't about hindering you. This is about freeing you. This is about freeing you, amen? You realize there's freedom in Christ, right? I don't, I have the freedom from alcohol this morning. Now, you can't tell me that those who drink alcohol, you're not bound to it. Because if you walk into the grocery store and you see that alcohol and you, you, you tug that way and you go that way, that is a chain. You spend your money on something that is fleeting, amen? 
And, you know, I can even talk about soft, soft drinks as well. I mean, it's not just alcohol. I could talk about soft drinks. I could talk about a lot of things. The point that I'm trying to make, brothers and sisters, is that we need to stop compromising our faith in who we are. Amen? So they went to, they went to this thing for healing. I want to say this real quick. He says, once again, he knows their works. Hey, you notice every letter we've received so far, Jesus knows our works. He knows what you're doing. He knows what shows you're watching. Mm. I'm going to let that sink in in a minute. He knows what shows you're watching. Well, Pastor, Game of Thrones is historical. No, it's smut. It's pornography. And if you're watching Game of Thrones, you need to be on your knees repenting this morning. Amen? That's nothing but nudity. Listen, there's stuff on television we just have no business watching. Amen? He goes, but I know your works. He says, he said, you hold fast to my name. You know what that means? That means that we believe in him. And see, here's the thing. I want to tell you this. There's not a church down what I call church row that doesn't believe in the name of Jesus. Right? Would you agree with that? We all believe in Jesus. The church right here, they believe in Jesus. The church across the street, they believe in Jesus. We all believe in Jesus. So there's got to be something that separates us there, right? And he says, he says, you did not deny the faith under persecution. Now, they're, they're not the ones being persecuted. They still didn't deny the faith, and that's still pretty big. So they, they acted like a church. But yet in the end, we said Jesus is going to remove their candlestick. In other words, they wouldn't be received to him. That's a big jump, isn't it? Why is that? Why was, why was the Lord says, if you don't change your ways, I'm going to remove you? Now, wait a minute, God. They, they acted like a church? They, they, were, they, were, they were faithful? They did everything they were supposed to do. But did they? See, if we go back into that first scripture, verse 14, he goes, this is what I have against you. Verse 14, he goes, this is what I have against you. You hold to the doctrine of Balaam. Well, who's this Balaam guy? Who's this Balaam guy? And what, what did he do? When, in Numbers chapter 21, and I don't really have a lot of time to go into this right now, but this guy Balaam was a, was a, a priest, a prophet of God. And he was hired by the king of Moab to curse the Israelites as they were going through the, the uh, uh, wilderness to the promised land. So how many understand that there are people in your life whose sole desire is to keep you from getting to heaven? You know that, right? Their sole desire is to keep you from getting to heaven. They don't want you to go to heaven. And we can say the devil and his minions, but there are actually people who don't want you to go to heaven because they're not going to go to heaven. They don't want you to go either. That's what they feel anyway. So this king of Moab, he says, Balaam, I want, you to, I want you to put curses on them, and I want you to pray to God and put curses on them. This is in Numbers 21. Get a chance to go back and read it. Now, I'm going to tell you this story, and you're going to remember it. Let me tell you about Moab first. You know who Moab is? Abraham had a nephew. His name was Lot. Lot 
compromised who he was because instead of living by himself in the field where it was safe, he decided to live in the city of Sodom. In Sodom, there was rampant homosexuality. There was rampant rape. It was a city so bad that God destroyed this town. A city so bad that God, God himself destroyed the town. And Abraham, in pleading for the town, he says, Lord, if, and he started out with 50, he says, if there's at least 10 people there who are righteous, will you not destroy it? And he said, I won't. But he still destroyed it, meaning there weren't even 10 people in the whole city that were righteous. As Sodom was leaving, or excuse me, as Lot was leaving, as the town was being destroyed, his wife turned around and she turned into a pillar of salt. And that's a whole other message I'm not going to get into right now. But as they got up into the cave and they were hiding, Lot's daughters said that we have to keep our father's lineage alive. So you know what they did? They slept with their father. They had sexual intercourse with their father. The daughters had sexual intercourse with their father. I can't comprehend that, but they did it. The first one to have a baby, they named him Moab. Moab, this king of Moab, the descendants of Moab, was a product of incest, was a product of uh, degradation, a product of all things that were evil, and he hated the things that were good. Amen? He hated the things that were good, which represented God's people. He represented things that were evil. He says, I don't like the things of God. I don't want that in my life. And so they came out against him, and they hired Balaam to, to put curses. But here's the great part, is every time Balaam tried to put a curse on Israel, all he could do was pray blessings over Israel. Now, isn't that amazing? Every time. Every time. And I, and I wished I had time to go and read what these scriptures are. And, and there was a time, and this is the funny story that, and you remember, and this is how I know you remember, because we all heard this story growing up, especially us boys, because we love to say what happened. But Balaam was riding a donkey, and the Bible calls it something else, and boys love reading that scripture. And so he's riding the donkey, and the donkey wouldn't go, and Balaam started beating the donkey, and, 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 and the donkey finally spoke up and says, I'm not going any further. There's an angel right there. And you guys remember that story now? Yeah, the talking donkey? Yeah, he was a politician. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was a cheap joke. It's a true joke. But anyway. He says, I'm not going any, any further because I, I don't want to get killed. There's an angel there, and he's going to take your life. And, and, of course, you know, Balaam, he tried to curse Israel. He tried to, every time he cursed him, he couldn't. So there's a spiritual warfare happening against you right now. Did you know that? There's a spiritual warfare. But see, here's the trick, though. Balaam realized he couldn't get God to go against his own people, so he realized what he had to do is he had to get the people to go against God. So what he did is he told the king of Moab, and he talks about this in Numbers 25. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to send your young ladies and your young men. I want you to send them down to the Israelite people, and I want you to act inappropriately in front of them. And you're going to lure them into temptation. You're going to lure them into compromise. And they're going to start worshiping your gods. Young man, do you realize why you shouldn't date a girl that's not saved? Young ladies, do you realize why you should not date a girl, or excuse me, 
girl. Well, shouldn't get a girl, period. Well, you shouldn't date a man that's not saved. Because they will lure you into something that is not of God. And so what happened is, is they started, work, the children of Israel, even though they weren't cursed, they began to walk away from God of their own choosing. This is the sin of Balaam. And so what happened was, is they walked away from God, and, it, and when they walked away from God and they started committing sexual acts with these women and men that they weren't supposed to do that with, and they started worshiping the other gods, God said, listen, I can't be around this and I have to pull back from you. Can I tell you that God has pulled back from the church? Can I tell you that God has pulled back from the church because we've allowed sin to come into church and not said anything? Come on. We've allowed sin to come into the church and not said anything. We've, we've accepted it. We've allowed it. And we've even put our arms around it and said it's okay. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, I will never say it is okay. Amen. Now listen, I know there's things that people have to work through, right? I, there's been people in our church that have lived together and they were working towards something, a solution, and they were repentant and God was, and I, I said, praise God, we're going to do this together, okay? We're going to get through this together and we did and they got married and God, man, gosh, just bless that family, amen? And I, that's the way we should be, amen? Listen, but when you have a rebellious heart against God, when you say, no, I'm going to do it my way, remember, the rebellion is what caused the fall of man in the first place when we said, when we ate the apple or fruit or whatever it was, we weren't supposed to, amen? So God pulled back from the children of Israel. And you know what happened when God pulled back? A plague came in. A plague came in. Brothers and sisters, this COVID that we got a couple years ago, that's only the beginning of our woes as a nation. Amen? That's only, that was a taste of about what's going to happen. When we murder over 30,000 babies a year, amen? I don't know the exact number, but when we murder over 30,000 babies a year, it's not some judgment coming to this nation, but where is the church? Are we praying about this? Are we fasting about this? Or are we talking about it? Are we talking about it? Why aren't we on our knees? Why, we have a, why have we allowed people to be in the church, serve in the church, that have a heart full of sin and have no intention of changing? There's been people in our church sometimes, and I'm not talking about specifically this church, but churches that I've been in, that they go out and they live a worldly life and they come in and they're in leadership. I want to tell you, if you're in leadership in this church, you're going to toe the line, amen? We're going to make sure that you're doing the right thing, Amen. I'm not talking about struggling sometimes. We all struggle. We all struggle. But it's time the people of the church of God, I'm not talking about this church of God, but the church of God realize that we walk a holy life. Amen? Amen. We walk a holy life. I don't know about you, but this is good preaching. You're not going to hear this at some churches because they just want to do love. You're love. I'm love. God is love. God's a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. Amen. Right now he's a God of love. I don't want to be under the God of judgment because that's coming. And don't, don't you dare get in front of God with the God of judgment and say, no one told me because that's what this, I'm going to replay this sermon. Uh-huh, I told you. I told you, because God loves you and he wants to pull you back from the brink. But we've got to stop acting like that. He's a God that doesn't notice everything about us, amen? He knows what we watch on television. He knows what we put in our tea. 
tea, you know, like, you know, we put alcohol in our tea or do we put sugar in our tea? If you put sugar in your tea, that can be bad too, amen? Especially for me. What are we doing with our lives, amen? What are we accepting of? The Bible talks about you're accepting. There's sexual immorality. There's food sacrificed to idols. Let me talk about the food being sacrificed to idols right quick. In the temple, and no one really knows or understands what that meant, but food sacrificed. I've read a lot of theories about what it meant. So I'm just going to give you my opinion, okay? This is what I think. Is when you were in the Greek society, if you wanted favor, if you wanted to excel in your business, if you wanted people to notice you, if you wanted to be popular, then you would, be, you would participate in their rituals because you would be seen. And then doing that, by being seen, you would get favorable business opportunities. In other words, are you ready for this? Church was about money to you. Church was about money to you. Do you you know how many people go to church just for business opportunities? Do you know how many young ministers go to conventions just so they can talk to another minister they get favor from so they'll get promoted? When did church become a business? When, when When did church become a business that we feel like we have to achieve some level When did it become that? Why can't church be something that it's meant to be? as something where we come in and we don't worry about who sees us and we don't worry about who notices us, but we get into the presence of God and realize that we want to worship him, amen? You know what I found? I find a lot of people like to buy their way into the kingdom. You know what I'm talking about? They like to buy their way into the kingdom. They like to be seen. Can I tell you the only one that I need to worry about being seen by is by God? That's all I worry about. That's all I care about. And I, can I tell you that if you serve God the way you should, that somebody will notice you because God put it on their heart? Can I say that again? If you, if you worship God the way you should, then God will notice you and he'll put it on somebody's heart to promote you. And, and, and maybe, maybe we don't need that promotion because maybe we need to stay where we're at for a while. Amen? We need to just stay where we're at for a while. We just need to be patient and realize that maybe somebody around us needs our blessing. Amen? We're so quick to, to get promoted, we realize that maybe I just need to stay where I'm at for a while. My wife and I talked about this. We said we have no desire to be anywhere but where God wants us to be, amen? And I'm going to tell you right now, that's here, amen? Because you know why? If I try to go somewhere else, guess what I'm not in? I'm not in God's will. Anybody else not been in God's will before? How good does it feel? It's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. It's like eating moldy food. You ever ate moldy food before? I had a sandwich once. I made me a sandwich. I wanted a tuna fish sandwich. I thought, man, tuna fish, I love it. Because I make it a special way. I put a little mayonnaise in there. I put a little mustard in there. I put a little boiled egg in there. Put some pepper. It's good stuff. I put that tuna fish in my sandwich, or tuna fish sandwich in my mouth, and I said, oh, boy, this is good. And it said, wait a minute, that kind of tastes funny. 
looked on the other side, the bread had mold all over it. <laughs> Washed my mouth off with soap and everything. Amen. We're so quick to want to do something when really God just wants us to stay where we're at and bless the people where we're at. Amen. And to be blessed by the people where we're at. Amen. You blessed me this morning. You blessed my wife this morning. You blessed my family. We're blessing each other. Amen. But it's time the people of God stop compromising and the churches stop compromising. We're talking about sexual morality like... Balaam, where he brought in something that was pleasing to the eye, and it cost him. You know, I've counseled so many young men who just knew the girl that they were dating was the one. He said, Pastor, I, I just, I, I, I didn't pray about it, but everything was working out, so I just, I just assumed that it was God's will. And I said, well, the first mistake you made is you didn't pray about it. Right? You didn't pray about it. And they, they get involved with this person and they end up getting hurt because they weren't listening to God's will. They weren't listening to what God was saying. They were just thinking with their, their heart and their mind. And they said, oh, I want to be with them. They're so beautiful. But all they did was brought them pain. Brought them pain. Brothers and sisters, there is no place sexual immorality in the church. No place. See, if you, if you read scripture, and I'm going to say something controversial here, and in Canada it's considered a hate crime, God put man and woman together through marriage. Through marriage. Now, if you've done things outside of marriage, God can forgive all that. Amen. Isn't he a gracious God? Isn't he a loving God? God forgives. But what happens is the devil is attacking the institution of marriage. Everything is attacking marriage. When is the last time on television, think about this for a moment, when is the last time on television that you saw a loving marriage? Think about it. When you're watching a show, when is the last time you saw a loving marriage? If you watch Disney, how many Disney shows is where one of the parents are missing, either through death or divorce? That's Disney. When is the last time that you saw a Christian in a positive light? They're always this extremist, right? Brothers and sisters, God put marriage together. And whereas we accept everybody who walks through this door, God says you need to say no to sexual immorality, which means sleeping with someone outside of marriage. And let me say this to you lovingly. If you're single and you're lonely, I get it. Hey, I understand. I, I, I understand. Because loneliness comes in and it takes over. It's okay if we get a little real this morning, right? We're going to talk about some things this morning. Don't sit there and say, Pastor didn't talk to you real, because I'm talking to you real right now, okay? We're all adults in this room. Well, most of us are. Except for PJ. I love you, PJ. Amen. Your, your wife was agreeing with me why I said it. That's why it's so funny. If you're sleeping with somebody right now in a, secular way, you need to stop. 
Because that's not of God. Can I say that again? The Bible says don't do it. Now, if you love that person and they're of God, then get married. Now, those things don't happen overnight. We've got to work towards that. We've got to go to counseling. I'm just, I'm just being real with you, okay? I'm going to go a step further. Yeah, pastor, get those people who are living together. Get them, get them, get them. If you're watching stuff on television that has sex in it, you need to stop. Because I'm going to tell you, that's the same thing. Can I give you an example? How would you feel? Man, I saw this example. Man, that just blew my mind. How would you feel if I brought two people up here and had them in dress right here in front of you and have a sex act right here in front of you? How would you feel about that? Would that offend you? But yet we watch it every day on television and movies, don't we? Worse, we allow it into our home. Oh, pastor, our home and church are different. Says who? Says who? Is your home not supposed to be the temple of God? Is the temple of God not supposed to go you wherever you go? And you wonder, you wonder why you have struggles. <laughs> Amen. God, pastor, don't talk to me. Hold on, this is my favorite part. We watch these shows with nudity in it. Come on. Oh, it's just a show. No, it's not just a show. It is sexual immorality. Amen. We watch, we watch shows with homosexuals in it. And, and, and what's worse, the, 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 now the transgenderism and they're kissing each other. And I'm like, this has got to stop. I'm allowing this into my home. And I don't want this anymore in my home. Amen. I don't want this anymore. The church has got to stop compromising. Amen. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to, I want you to hear me. How can we expect a move of God when we don't even know who we serve? Who are we serving, Robert? Who are we serving? Amen. Who are we serving, Randy, Helen? Who are we serving? Are we serving a holy, righteous, loving God? Or are we, are we serving Hollywood? By the way, you know Hollywood knows that Christians are perverted, right? That's why they started streaming, so you wouldn't have to go to the movie theater and watch the smut. You can watch it at home and think nobody knows. But remember what Jesus said, I know your works. You thought Santa Claus was tough. He sees this, man. God, I want you to talk to me. Well, then read your Bible. That's how he talks to you, amen? No, I'm going to go to this prophecy conference over here and listen to what this man has to say. We're, we're not going to do that here because I believe that you can hear the word of God just like you can anything else. When you start reading the word of God, then we'll start doing those things, amen? Because I want God to have a relationship with you. God, I don't want somebody to get up in this pulpit and tell you something that's not right and that you succumb to it and think it is. I want you to know the word of God, amen? I want you to believe the word of God. I want you to hear the word of God, amen? I remember somebody got up in this pulpit one time and it took everything within me not to stop them, but they got up and told some lies in the pulpit of what God did, and, and it was just clearly not of God. I'm not going to say what it was because I don't want letters. Man, we got to quit compromising the Word of God. 
he said this in Peter, and Peter was quoting, I believe it was Isaiah. He said, be holy because I am holy. Then the last thing he says, he says, there's, there's some among you who have the practice of the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans were, were a group of people. And again, no one really knows exactly what they did, but this is what they think. That they just believe that you can do whatever you want and it's okay. You can live however you want and that's okay. Can I tell you it's not? Sin has consequences. If I were to go out and murder someone, what would happen to me? I'd go to jail, right? Right? There's consequences to the things that we do. Brothers and sisters, God is looking for a holy church. A church that calls sin, sin. Well, pastor, what is sin? I'm going to tell you real simple. To them who know what good is and does it not, that is sin. I told you last week, and I meant this. People come up to me and say, well, I don't, should I drink? I think, I don't know, I'm confused. Well, I'm going to tell you, God's already talking to you right there. He's already convicting you. If you have a question in your mind, then God's already convicting you. Don't come to me and look for affirmation, okay? Don't come to me and say, oh, it's okay. You know, you do what you do. I'm going to say, you already know. Use your brain. Put on your thinking cap, amen? God's already talking to you. If you feel like it's wrong, guess what? It's wrong. But pastor, I like it. Well, of course you like it. That's the flesh. What are we supposed to do with the flesh? Kill the flesh. Well, we're so quick to do the easy thing. We're so quick to do what we like, not realizing that God has something so much better for us. Amen? He has something so much better for us. But you got to kill the flesh. We have to be the church that loves people, but says this. Listen, I love you, ma'am. But I looked, at your, I looked at your Facebook post, and one minute you're praising God, and the next minute you're putting curse words on it. One minute you're praising God, the next minute you're supporting this, something that is not of God. By the way, you guys know that I read Facebook, all right? Some of you become friends with me, and I kind of laugh. Do they know that I look at this? Do they know that God looks at it? People are like, I'm taking him off Facebook when I get home. <laughs> it's really funny. People... People unfriend me, then later they come back and try to friend me again. I'm like, I don't know who you are. You may be a criminal. I don't know. We put stuff on Facebook and we act one way and we turn around and act another. That's not of God. That's compromise. We go down to the world and we get frustrated and we say bad words and we treat our waitresses or servers at Fred Meyers. We treat them badly. Waitresses hate working on Sunday because they get the worst tips. Can I tell you something? If you go out to eat on a Sunday, you need to tip the waitress the most. You need to give them 20, 25%. You know why? Because they're working on a Sunday. 
and they're serving you on a Sunday. Amen? We need to love on people, but we also need to say we're not going to sin. And if we do sin, we recognize it and we stop justifying it and we come to the altar and we repent. Amen? Has this been a hard message this morning? It, it, listen, you can get mad at me and that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to accept people being mad at me, but you're going to go to heaven if you listen to me. Okay? You're going to go to heaven if you listen to me. It's your choice. You're going to go to heaven. Because you're not really listening to me, you're listening to the Word of God. And then you're going to go out because God has changed you. You're going to go out and you're going to find someone and say, look what God has done to me. Look what God has done to me. You're not following me, you're following God, amen? You're following God, amen? And there's a, there's a false happiness in sin. See, smoking weed is fun, right, at the moment. But then you deal with the after effects like loss of memory and all these other things that happen. Drugs are fun for the moment. Drinking is fun for the moment. There's always something negative with it, though. But when you serve God, it's nothing but positive. This is what the Bible says. And it, here I'm going to use this word a lot during these letters. He says this. Are you ready? It's the R word. People hate this word. People hate it. Because they just want God to bless them. Oh, Lord, bless me, but they're not willing to change. Can I tell you that God does not bless this mess? God is not going to bless you if you're not willing to change. It doesn't work that way. you got to be willing to change. It doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. Everybody's going to mess up, okay? I want to tell you that. Everybody's going to mess up. But he's not going to bless you if you're not willing to change. Here's a word. Are you ready? It's verse 16. Can you put that up for me, Ezra? What a good dad. He's got the baby in his hand doing the computer work. He's a good dad. That's, that's talent right there. He's having to do double duty this week. Mom's out of town, so I'm proud of you, Ezra. Amen. Good job. He goes, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Repent. Can I ask you a question? Of the churches that you've gone to, how often do you hear the word repent? You need to stay away from that church. Come on. If you're not hearing the word repent, if you're not hearing the word repent, then that's not a church I would go to. We have to repent daily. We have to repent daily. Would you stand with me as they put on some music for me? Church, I know this was a hard message. I get it. But man, I tell you what, we need to we need to come into the house of God with an expectancy. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're a non-compromised church.
In other words, we call sin, sin. We don't justify our actions and say, well, pastor, that's your interpretation of the Bible. And sure, we can argue that. We can argue that. But the fact that you question whether something or not is a sin reveals that it actually is a sin. Amen? Because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals. I want everybody across this place to close your eyes. Bow your head for me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've given your word today. I've opened myself up, God, to criticism, backlash, and just simply speaking your word, Lord. There are those, God, who could be angry with me for just simply saying, stop sinning. But God, that's your word. And God, I know, God, I know that you love them, Lord. I know that you care for them, Lord, and you only want the best for them. And I'm not attacking anybody, God. I'm attacking the sin. Because, God, that's what you called me to do, to attack the sin. Everybody's head bound and eyes should be closed. I'm going to ask you a simple question. And all you're going to do is you're going to raise your hand. First question is simply this. First question is simply this. You do not have Jesus in your heart. You have not given your life to him. You need to accept him or you need to return to him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand across this place. I see two. I see three. Praise God. You can lower your hands. Brothers and sisters, three people have given their life to the Lord this morning. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Three people have given their life to the Lord this morning. Amen? All right. To those three people, I'm simply going to say this. Welcome home. Welcome home. Oh, man. Did you guys feel what just happened in here, the atmosphere when I just said that? The Lord said, welcome home. Welcome home. You're home. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Now listen, we're going to pray with you in just a moment, but I'm going to ask another question. Everybody's eyes bowed. Wait, eyes closed, heads bowed. You can't bow your eyes. That'd be weird. Pastor, I need to repent. I need to change what I'm doing because I've compromised myself and I've compromised those around me and I'm not really living the life that I should. I'm walking one way and I need to change. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. All across this place. All across this place right now raise your hand I see you come on raise your hand I see you we have at least 10 people raising their hands right now is there anybody else I see you You can put your hands down amen I see you, you can put your hands down all across this place is repentance you know what that is that's called revival that's called revival when people recognize that they're not living the way that they should and they say, God, I need to change. So first of all, we're going to deal with you guys who want Jesus in your heart and I want everybody to pray with them. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.